Boys, welcome back. Episode 40 of The Review. Uh, great to be here with you all. We've got back-to-back car episodes. Uh, this is really the only time in my day that I've been able to like sit down and record because, you know, recording schedules are tough. So when I'm on these long drives, it's actually like it's actually a good time for me to sit and talk about the NHL playoffs, which is the only thing we're going to be talking about today. Uh, I'm doing an episode with Carp and Seth on the review on Tuesday, which I guess is tomorrow. So you guys will probably hear that on Wednesday. So that will most likely be episode 41 if uh, if I don't record an episode from now until then, which, which you know, I might end up recording one before then. So either 41 or 42, Seth and Carp are going to be back. They're, uh, they're rebooting their show. And I believe that we're going to get some new talent on the review and uh, lots to talk about with the NHL playoffs. So be on the lookout for that. But, uh, but today I just want to run through where we're at in the NHL playoffs right now. Uh, Eastern Conference, again, we'll talk about, um, and I'll get into the West more when we have the other guys on the show. But before we jump into it, I just want to thank all you guys. Um, you know, a year and a half now that we've been doing this podcast, this specific podcast, and a year and a half now that TBR has existed. And, uh, you know, obviously we've undergone a lot of change, uh, a lot of new faces, a lot of old faces coming back. Uh, a lot of people leaving, a lot of new people coming in, uh, a lot of new shows, a lot of new content that we're trying to create, and uh, and obviously our favorite word, controversy. So uh, I just appreciate all you guys. You've stuck with us, and you know the numbers don't lie. Our streams continue to be consistent uh, on every every single episode of the review, uh, and I appreciate that. Um, it, it really goes a long way, and it kind of it, it shows me, and it shows Carb, it shows Seth, it shows. Uh, it shows Chase, it shows Ferulo, um, you know, it shows all of us that, that there's people listening and that there's a purpose for us doing this and we're not just recording a podcast, you know, for nobody to listen to. It's obviously, it's fun to do it and it started out as, yeah, we're just going to have fun and we don't care. But once we actually got a following um, on Instagram and on Spotify and, and all that, once we actually got a following, it kind of, it took on a second meaning for us uh, knowing that we actually had an audience. So I appreciate all you guys. Uh, and just want to let you know that no matter, you know, who stays, who goes, who wants to do the podcast, who doesn't want to do the podcast, uh, that, you know, we're always going to be coming up with new ways to deliver for you guys. Um, you know, we'll go on hiatuses, we take breaks, um, we try new content, uh, whatever it is, we're always going to find a way to deliver for you guys. So I just wanted to thank you because I was running through the stream numbers as of late and you guys have just been, you know absolutely killing it with listening to our episodes and watching the wiffle ball games and uh and looking at all the posts on instagram liking them sharing them around and uh and now that sports are actually coming back we actually have some a lot of content to to put out there uh covering just you know scores of games stuff like that obviously but also just uh just recording new podcasts new stuff to talk about so i'm excited for for what's to come obviously um you know, we're, we're, we're a hundred percent of the time we're changing and we're evolving, you know, we're adapting to, uh, you know, the sports world as the sports world's adapting to the coronavirus. We're adapting as well, getting used to, to what's going on, uh, and getting used to, uh, to transitioning to this, to this new, uh, normal, I guess, I guess is how you could put it. But uh, I'm just, I'm really amped up and, and excited. Uh, I think this is going to be a great time for TBR Sports. We're going to shift our focus um, 
and, and try some new content, reach out, branch out with some new people. Um, I can tell you that, and, and we're recording an episode with this person later this week, that we do have a new show coming on to TBR Sports. So one, once um, the host of that show comes on the podcast and talks about it, then we can kind of launch, uh, you know, officially launch that show on our platform. Um, but we definitely uh, do have a new show coming in. And we possibly have a new show being added on as well with, with members of TBR currently. Uh, that's, that's unofficial at this point. And, and, you know, I've been talking to some people about filling up some spaces and joining the team. So whether or not that happens, I'll keep you guys posted obviously on the Instagram and, and, and on the podcast, but, but just know that there's a lot of new content coming. So just keep, keep your eyes open for all of that and keep rocking with us, honestly, because it's an exciting time, uh, for, for the sports world. All right, enough about that. Let's get right into the NHL playoff discussion. Um, my predictions were, were a little bit on and a little bit off before before I uh, before I re- or when I recorded episode thirty nine, um, and so we're gonna I'm gonna kind of update those predictions, talk about what I've seen, talk about what I think is gonna come of the rest of the playoffs. And I was also unaware that reseeding takes place after the next round too. So the bracket that I posted on TBR is actually inaccurate. So I'll probably update that um, along with this podcast and update my brackets so that it makes sense. So let's talk about uh, the series that's pretty much been the most entertaining series so far is Bruins and Canes. And no, that's not a biased statement. I literally think that's just been the best hockey. Um, So obviously, Tuker asked, big, huge news is that Tuka Rask decided to opt out of the rest of the season, um, and, and leave, he left the bubble, basically. Uh, this came less than 24 hours after he made comments about how, um, you know, it seemed boring out there on the ice, and how it wasn't really playoff a playoff setting, and how he didn't care about the outcome of the games. So he made those comments... And then immediately after making those comments, or not immediately, less than 24 hours after, uh, he uh, announced, or the team announced in a statement from him that he would be leaving the bubble and not, you know, not playing any further in the in the playoffs. So I saw a lot of comments on Instagram, a lot of people on Twitter weighing in on it because it broke literally hours before game three. So, uh, it was big news. You know, it was, it was all anybody could talk about a Vesna trophy candidate leaving the, uh, leaving the NHL bubble, uh, literally hours before a game, right after making some, some pretty controversial comments about the playoff setting. So, so I saw a lot of Bruins fans coming to the defense of Tuka Rask because they, they marked it as a family matter why he was leaving. Uh, I saw a lot of people coming to his defense saying, well, we don't know what's going on. We wish the best for him and, and for his family. Uh, you never know what's going on behind the scenes. We can't judge him for wanting to be with his family. While all of that is true, and I do agree that, A, you never know what's going on behind the scenes, so you can't be quick to, to judge someone or a situation, especially like this, just off of the first thing that you hear. While I agree with that, and while I agree that, you know, obviously these players are signing up to be away from their families for a few months and maybe they get there and they can't handle it and want to leave and they 100% have the right to do that. While I agree with both of those uh, statements and a lot of the similar you know, stuff that was being said 
on Instagram. Well, I agree with that. Uh, it's, it's just too, too coincidental for me and for, and it should be too coincidental for everybody that literally less than 24 hours after this guy bashed the playoff format and basically like said that he didn't care right, right after, or 24 hours after your starting goaltender, a Vesna trophy candidate gets up on the mic after losing a game and says, I don't care about the outcome. Obviously we don't play playoff hockey in August. This doesn't really matter. Uh, it's boring out there for me. There's no fans. There's no fans cheering me or booing me. There's, you know, it's not exciting for me. 24 hours after he says that, he all of a sudden is just gone from the bubble because of, quote, family reasons. I'm sorry, but it's just too coincidental. And I was trying to make more sense of it, you know, listening to Don Sweeney talk, Bruce Cassidy talk. They interviewed some of the players about it. Char was interviewed. Um... Uh, Coyle was interviewed Basically they were asking everybody about it If you listen to, to what they were saying uh, I think that if there was A serious family matter going on With Tuka Rask I think that their responses when asked What were your thoughts about Tuka leaving I think their responses would have been more Along the lines of um, You know we support him 100% And we wish the best for him and his family And we hope that everything is, is well And we're going to miss him uh, that, that, that was not said by any member of the Boston Bruins organization. Not a single person came out and said, you know, they wish the best for Tuca and that their thoughts and prayers are with him and his family and that they respect, you know, whatever. Not one person said that. What was said, a common consensus, which seems like it was, you know, a Bill Belichick written, like, you better say this to the media or else you're cut kind of deal was we respect everybody's decision but we're focused on the game that that's what that's what their um their their answers to those questions were charlie coyle said we respect everybody's decision but we're focused on the game uh don sweeney took a few digs at tuca um inadvertent or you know backhanded slights to tuca when he said you know we respect his decision and, and whatever he has the right to do it but let's get one thing clear this is playoff hockey and we are going to play the guys that want to win and that want to be here and we're focused on that we're focused on the game bruce cassidy same thing zidane ochara same thing so the consensus that i've come to with the help of a few friends uh, who we all chatted about this, who I'd love to get on a podcast to talk about it, actually. They're not in TBR, but they they did, you know, give some insightful feedback on the uh, on the whole Tukarask situation. The consensus that we have come to is that after making those comments, Bruce Cassidy, Don Sweeney, upper management, whatever, they weren't happy with Tukarask saying that, especially in a playoff series where they just lost a game that they probably should have won. They, 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 uh, they probably weren't too happy hearing their starting goaltender, the backbone of their team, saying that he doesn't care. That, that probably didn't, didn't rub them the right way. So they probably sat him down and they were like, hey, let's talk about this. And they probably just said to him, look, uh, you're the starting goalie of this team. You're a Vesna Trophy candidate. You're one of our leaders. We're in the playoffs. Whether you like the format or not, whether you like playing August or not, we're in the playoffs. We're competing for a Stanley Cup. We should have won the Cup last year, and we didn't. So we're back this year trying to win the Stanley Cup in in a playoff setting where we are the clear number one team, coming into it at least, President's Trophy winning team. We can't have you saying things like that. So 
what we want you to do is to go to the media and apologize for your statements and, and kind of walk it back and say, this isn't what I meant. It was taken out of context and, and do some, do some damage repair basically is probably what they asked of him. And then I wouldn't be shocked if Bruce Cassidy said, oh, and Hey, by the way, you're not going to play on Saturday because a, because of your comments and B, because you looked a little soft and net last night. Uh, we're gonna, we're gonna send Yaro Halak out there for game three. He's fresh. He hasn't gotten a playoff start in five years. We, we want some fresh legs out there. We're going to give you a rest and give you a chance to think about your comments. That's probably what happened. That's probably what was said by, you know, whoever, whoever disciplined Tuka Rask. And knowing Tuka Rask, the, the weird guy, the weird flaky goaltender that he is, probably said, screw this. I'm not going to sit on the bench uh, in a playoffs where I'm already bored when I'm on the ice, I'm leaving. And so they made up that BS, like I, I want to be with my teammates, but I need to be with my family type of thing. That's my guess. If I'm wrong and it comes out that, uh, Tuka Rask actually did have a serious family matter that he needed to tend to and needed to leave the bubble, then I a hundred percent apologize for, for coming up with this consensus. But is it so crazy of me to think that 24 hours after that goaltender made those comments, he's all of a sudden gone? It's not that crazy to think, and it's not that crazy of a consensus to come to. So that's what I think happened. Personally, I think I think that Tukarask didn't want to face the uh, face the music, so to say, and so he just left. And we've seen him flake out before. You know, he's done this before. This isn't this isn't his first time leaving the team. This isn't his first time choking under pressure. Uh, Rask is, you know, doesn't have the greatest reputation in Boston. Uh, and this definitely isn't going to help that. Um, so back to like what I said, I don't even know how long ago, Bruins fans that want to defend Tukarask, um, on Instagram and, and through all these Instagram comments, they really need to wake up. Um, I understand that, that he's our starting goaltender and that he's a great goalie when he's on and that you, you want to be optimistic about this sort of situation. You don't want to see your team crumble. And I'd agree as a Bruins fan, seeing that Tuca made those comments that definitely to me, I was like, Oh, our starting goaltender doesn't even care. Why should I care in watching? But then when I saw them play game three, the way that the team rallied around Halak and came together and played one of the greatest hockey games I've ever seen the Bruins play under pressure too, in a game that they needed to win. It was a statement victory for the Bruins. The way I saw them come together in that game, then I told myself, all right, I can, I can accept that Tuka Rask doesn't want to be here and doesn't think that, that this playoff environment is, uh, is an effective one. I can accept that because, you know, no matter how broken Tuka Rask was going to, was going to make this Bruins team, the way they played on Saturday is is no lie. I love to say that numbers don't lie, and they don't. The Bruins had over 40 shots. They had uh, about 10 blocks, I think, some key blocks in front of Halak. And minus that that slip-up where Halak literally fed Niederreiter the puck right in front of the net, and he buried it, that's a, that's a shutout for Halak in his first playoff start in five years, in my opinion. Obviously, that goal was 100% his fault, but, you know, Take away that poor decision made by Halak, and you've got yourself a three-nothing hockey game. So, so I'm really optimistic with where the Bruins are at this point. 
in the playoffs. Uh, I don't know about everybody else. Uh, I, I'd like to think that, that you are all, as Bruins fans, optimistic. Um, but I, I just, you know, I'm speaking for myself here, and I'm not speaking for every single Bruins fan, because I saw a lot of Bruins fans online coming to the defense of Tuka Rask. Uh, I also saw a lot of Bruins fans online saying that it was over, that we were going to lose the, the rest of the series, and that if we don't have Pasternak and that we don't have Rask, then we can't win a game. Those are our two guys. I saw a lot of that, and I saw the Bruins prove a lot of people wrong on Saturday. So uh, my prediction stands where it is right now. I've got Bruins in five. Um, let's talk a little bit about the rest of the series and what it's going to look like. Uh, Svechnikov, I don't know if any of you, if you watched the game, you saw the injury. If you don't like watching gross injuries and you're in, and you're in my boat, uh, don't go and watch it. Uh, it was gross. Uh, his foot went one way and his leg went the other and his knee went a third way. It was, it was gross. And while it didn't stay in that position, like it didn't Gordon Hayward and stay in that position, if you go back and watch it, it just looks painful. And I don't like looking at gross injuries like that. So it wasn't pleasing for me to see that live and then see the replay again. But uh, I'm no doctor. I don't claim to be. I don't want to be. Uh, I know little to nothing about the world of medicine. What I do know is that legs aren't supposed to bend like that. So if I'm a betting man, Svechnikov doesn't play the rest of the series. Uh, people were speculating ACL. People were speculating ankle. Either way, I know the hockey players are, are, are tough and can fight through injuries like that a lot um, swifter than like basketball players um, or, or baseball players or whatever. And not because I just not because like oh hockey players are tougher. Just because it's a completely different motion, skating versus running and jumping. Uh, you can kind of skate on a broken leg. We saw Gregory Campbell do it. Uh, it's it, it's it's possible. Uh, you're definitely going to be handicapped a little bit, but it's not impossible to, to, to skate with an injury like that. It's very painful, and you probably, in the words of Doc from Miracle, he won't be able to do very much, but it's possible. So, so I'm not saying that Svechnikov won't come back. Like, like I'm not predicting that Svechnikov never plays a game again or doesn't play for the rest of the playoffs. Because really, you don't know in situations like that. They haven't given a full, you know, like injury report, which they won't. Um, the big thing now in the NHL is the unfit to play, which is like the new, um, that's the, that's like the new load management is unfit to play. So even if you don't have COVID and even if you don't have symptoms of it, or if you had like a false negative or whatever, even if you have a scratch on the arm and can't go, you're unfit to play. That's the new load management. That's the NHL's version of load management, unfit to play. And I'm going to start using that in every single aspect of my life. If one day I wake up and I don't know, I'm a little extra tired and like, let's say I needed to like do something, I'm unfit to play. I'm too tired. I can't go. If, uh, if, I, if, if in wiffle ball, you know, I was feeling my Achilles the other day while I was throwing pitches. If my Achilles is sore in wiffle ball, unfit to play. Uh, if I need to give someone a ride somewhere and I'm just not feeling it, unfit to play. That's just the new no thank you. So you're not like they're not really releasing injury reports, injury reports for these players in this playoff setting, which I don't know why they aren't. Um, people are saying like, oh, well, they don't want to scare anybody. I feel like hearing the phrase unfit to play is a lot scarier than like, oh, he, um, he sprained his MCL. 
I don't know why, but I feel like unfit to play just screams COVID. It just screams he's got coronavirus and we don't we don't want anybody to know. That's what that says to me. Um, I like David Pasternak, perfect example. We have no idea what's going on with him. He hurt himself celebrating the OT goal in game one. A lot of people are speculating that it's a sports hernia or a herniated disc or something, uh, or, you know, just, just something, something just tightened up in there. Uh, but he's missed three games. So, so I don't know, but David Pasternak, no injury report. He's just unfit to play. I feel like that's a little more, that's a little more daunting than, um, oh, he, uh, he has a sports hernia, but, but the team trainers, you know, meshed it up, which I guess my dad was telling me is something they do is like mesh it up. I don't know what that means, but that's just the phrase he used. So they mesh it up. Uh, but Dave Pasternak's not going tonight, but, uh, but yeah, so we won't know about Pasternak or Svechnikov probably ever because they're just unfit to play, which as I just, you know, as I just outlined, could mean a lot of things. It could mean you're dying of the coronavirus, or it could mean that uh, uh, you got a bloody nose. So unfit to play, not sure what that means, but uh, no Pasternak, no Svechnikov tonight. Like I said, if I'm a betting man, Svechnikov is out of the rest of the series. If I'm a betting man, which all of you know I am, I like to throw money on some things, a lot of obscure things too. I don't just like taking, you know, money line bets. I like to go for the, uh, you know, who who's going to knock over the pylon first in Super Bowl kind of, kind of thing. And if you followed TBR back then, I mentioned this last, last episode too, but I lost a lot of money on the Super Bowl betting on stupid things like that. But, um, but yeah, I like to, uh, I like to go against the grain a little bit, you know, always been a little bit of an oddball. So, um, I don't think Svechnikov is going to come back. And even if he does, at what capacity is he coming back at? Like, is, are we really confident in saying, Ooh, Andre Svechnikov is coming back. He is a hundred percent healthy after seeing what his leg did the other day. I'm not confident in saying that. I don't think anybody is unless you're like a diehard Hurricanes fan and you're desperate that this team gets through the first round, which they won't. Uh, I said Bruins in five before the series started and I'm sticking to Bruins in five now. Uh, I don't think Svechnikov is going to come back. Uh, I think that Pasternak will come back in, in game uh, five. But I think that the Bruins are going to take another win tonight. Uh, I think that they're going to start to run away with this thing, especially, especially with no Svechnikov. So, so that's my take on it. It's been a really great series so far, though. Like, I would really tune in if you're a hockey fan. Um, if you're looking for like some nice clean hockey, uh, these two teams are definitely going at it. Two teams that don't like each other. Um, I think the Hurricanes are kind of chippy in my opinion. Obviously, you know, we've got our characters on our team, but you know, uh, it's one of those series that, that kind of builds a run for you. So like the Bruins every year when they've made a deep playoff run, they've always had those series against those teams, you know, you know what I mean? And it's always like those guys. Um, so 2011, um, Burrows, uh, when he bit Bergeron's finger, I forget who it was. Was it BS BXA who knocked out Horton, uh, in that Stanley cup final, like that whole Canucks team, they were just rascals. Um, earlier in that playoffs, you know, you had to deal with the flyers, you had to deal with the Canadians and we didn't like the, we didn't like the Canadians, you know, Subban was diving all over the place. You had Pacioretty, um, Placanic, you know, all those guys, they all have those characters. This, this Carolina Hurricanes, Hurricanes team seems like one of those teams that has that like list of characters that the Bruins like have to go through and they have to get pestered by. But then later on in the series, we're gonna be like, Oh, remember, 
remember how, you know, how much of a pain Hayden Flurry was or, or Nino Niederreiter or something like that. That's what this series is shaping up to be. But I don't see it having the legs. I think the Bruins are going to start to run away with it. I think they are going to rally around Halak and uh, the experience is just going to outweigh the uh, that of the Carolina Hurricanes. So, uh, Bruins in five, I'm sticking with it. Um, could be six, too. Maybe maybe the Hurricanes get one more game, but but no, I don't think it's going to be seven. Uh, I really don't think they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna take it and take this series to seven games. Uh, that's that's my take on it. But great hockey, it's fun to watch. Uh, it, it's really fun to watch as a Bruins fan. It's it's a little nerve wracking, uh, but it's fun to watch. It's definitely fun to watch. Uh, I'm having a good time viewing this series, uh, and it's it's especially fun to go back and to watch it after the fact, after the game's over, uh, when my heart rate isn't through the roof and when I um, am not on the verge of having cardiac arrest. That's the best time to watch it because then you can go back and really appreciate some of the plays that are made in the game. Um, but, but yeah, uh, Bruins and five. All right, enough about that series. Let's, let's talk Flyers and Canadians for a second. Um, I think thought that this series was going to have a little more to offer, and I guess it does from a score standpoint, like a series score, Um, but it's kind of boring hockey. Uh, I don't know if anybody else agrees with me on that. I'm not, like, totally sold on these two teams in the playoffs, believe it or not. Uh, I'm playing each other in the playoffs, I should say. Um, Game one, the Flyers won by, like, I forget what the score was in game one, but I know that they took game one. Uh, the Canadians came back after Claude Julien um, had to leave, which, by the way, prayers with Claude Julien right now. Uh, obviously, that's a former Bruins coach, but just tough situation to hear about. Um, you don't want to hear anybody going through um, going through issues like that and and having to you know worry about you know their their health and their lives while you know coaching a hockey game. So prayers are with him. Hope the best for him, but um, if there was a silver lining in that whole situation, I think the Canadians definitely got a little bit of life after um, after their coach. Once they got the news that that he was going to be okay and that he was going to make a full recovery, I think it gave the Canadians a little bit of life. Like, let's go win this for Claude. Uh, and they came out firing in game two. Uh, five, five zip, I think, was the final score against the throw air quotes around number one team, the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, while they may not be the best team uh, because of this new playoff format, they are the number one seed. So it was definitely uh, it was definitely a shock to see that score. Uh, I I did think that Claude Julien going down was going to impact them in a positive way on the ice. I thought it was going to give them some some life, which it did. I didn't anticipate them beating the uh, the Flyers that bad. Uh, and that was insane to watch. Um, even last night, they had game three last night. It was a close series, um, a close game rather. It wasn't, um, it wasn't a blowout either way. I think what the, did the Canadians lose two nothing or one nothing? I was one nothing last time I checked in on the game. Um, so yeah, it's a close series. It's kind of boring hockey though. It's not really doing anything for me. Last night's game was a snooze fest to watch. It was close the whole way. And I guess if you're a fan of one of those two teams, then it's probably different. Then it's probably a little more exciting, but, but I've just been excited by other series. Um, 
more so than I have this one. So my updated prediction, I forget what I said in the beginning uh, for how many games. I think I said Canadians in five. I might go Canadians in six or seven. I mean, sorry, sorry, Flyers, not Canadians. I said the Flyers were going to win, and I still think that. Um, Flyers in six or seven. I think I'm extending the series just because of game two and just because of the whole Claude Julian situation. I don't think the Canadians are getting past this Flyers team, but uh, I don't think it's going to be as easy for the Flyers as I'd predicted before the series started. Uh, So that's two to one Flyers right now. Um, I hope that we can get some entertaining games out of it. Uh, There's been entertaining scores, don't get me wrong, but the games themselves have been just okay. Nothing, nothing special. But, but yeah, I've, I've still got Flyers taking that one. Columbus and Tampa. So, wow, this series has pretty much had everything. Uh, a game that lasted six hours long, five overtimes deep, uh, and then a bounce back from the team that lost that game, kind of erased the loss in a way. Um, so here, here's my take on, on that series. Uh, as I was sitting there that night watching that game go, you know, five overtimes deep, I kept saying to myself, and I kept texting texting the boys and saying this, I said, whoever wins this game is going to win the series, in my opinion. I feel like if you go five overtimes, if you, if you play in a game that's five overtimes long and you lose, oh man, that's got to be like such a tough blow. Like it's one thing to lose in regulation or one thing to lose in an overtime. But when you go that distance and you keep it as tight as it was for five overtimes and you're the team on the losing end, not only is that a blow to energy and, and uh, endurance for the rest of the series because you played the equivalent of like three hockey games basically, but uh, you, you're also like what a huge blow that is to morale because if you win that five overtime game, it's just as sweet to win, you know, I'd rather win in five overtimes than I would in regulation just because it's more exciting and it's more entertaining and it takes more work. You, you were the team that came out on top. And I thought that the Lightning were the better team in overtime, but, but really I couldn't judge either team in that overtime because as it kept going on, the hockey got worse and worse. Um, they, they looked dead at the end of the third period and that's because they battled for the first three periods. They battled. They were going at each other. It was a 2-2 game. It was tight. And uh, they left everything out on the ice ju- uh, in in regulation just to do it again five more times. So the, the hockey got real sloppy at the end. Braden Point had a nice shot on a broken play. But, um, but yeah, I, I said to myself after that, I think the Lightning are going to win the series because whoever wins in that setting, whoever goes five overtimes and wins, I feel like you're winning the series at that point. And it still had... It still had a long way to go. That was only one game, but it didn't feel like it. It kind of felt like the series was over at that point. And the way the players were playing and the way that the Lightning celebrated and the way that the Blue Jackets were disappointed in the loss, I feel like it kind of felt like it was the series for them. Uh, it, they definitely, it, it meant more than just winning game one is, is how I'll put it. It definitely meant more than just winning game one. So I was pretty you know, convinced that the Lightning were going to win the series after that win. So it was such a huge win especially in the first game, to set the tone like that and to beat the Columbus Blue Jackets as, you know, in such a fashion that they did. Um, I honestly just just didn't see the Blue Jackets coming back from it. And I heard this on, um, you know, NHL Live. 
what the Blue Jackets did in game two was completely written up, drawn up, and executed so perfectly that the, they seemingly evened the, the uh, momentum in the series. So uh, they come out and they win, and they win in good fashion too. They played good, clean hockey, much like the Columbus Blue Jackets do. Tortorella has done a great job with that team. They they are an exciting team to watch. I said that in thirty nine. Um, what they did with that win was completely erased the overtime loss, in my opinion. It 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 definitely turned the tides of the series from, damn, the Lightning have every single bit of momentum to. Well, it's pretty even again, and it's as if these first two games haven't happened. And that's that's exactly what probably Tortorella wanted to do coming into that game, and that's exactly what the Blue Jackets wanted to do coming into that game. They did it perfectly. They executed it perfectly. They erased the loss in game one. And moving forward, those two teams are playing tonight. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, they're playing tonight, maybe? I don't know. Um, I know that the Lightning are up 2-1, but... Uh, but I've got Blue Jackets in seven. I said that at the beginning of the series. I think I said six or seven. Said it wasn't going to be a sweep, and look at it, it wasn't a sweep. Um, but but yeah, that this series is is great. It's some great hockey. It's some great back and forth, and uh, I'm I'm pumped to watch the rest of the series, especially because like it's possible that we could be seeing one of these teams as a Bruins fan in the next round. But also because how could you not want to watch a series where the first game went five overtimes deep? Like, how could you not want to, like, everyone, after making history, you know, the running jokes, oh, let's see how many overtimes it goes now. Let's see if these two teams can break the record. Let's see if Corpusalo can break his own record. Stuff like that. Seth Jones for Time on Ice. People tuned back in because they want to see it, and I think they're going to get, continue to tune back in. A, because of the hockey, but B, because they want to see a repeat of game one, even though it got kind of boring at the end. It was like watching history. Like, you couldn't turn away, and that's how I felt. I couldn't, like, not watch it as as badly as I wanted to stop watching the back-and-forth sloppy overtime hockey. I couldn't not watch it because it was history. It's one of those things where, like, if you didn't see it live, then, like, you, you regret not seeing it, but you, you wouldn't care, like, to go back and watch it again. It's one of those things where, like, you just, you had to see it live. You had to be watching it. Uh, I sat down at 3 o'clock with my meal from Jersey Mike's and, uh, sorry, my meal from Domino's. And I watched the, the entire six-hour hockey game on the couch. I didn't move. So it was kind of one of those things where it was like you were a part of history if you were watching it. So that series, very exciting. I think my initial prediction was Jackets in six or seven. I'm sticking with Jackets in seven at this point. I think they're going to bounce back in game four and tie the series. I think it's going to keep going back and forth, but the Jackets are going to win six and seven, in my opinion. So I think it's going to go game four Jackets, game five Lightning, then Jackets six and seven. And I think the Columbus Blue Jackets are going to move on past the Tampa Bay Lightning for the second year in a row. All right, last series I'll talk about. I won't get into the Western Conference because I'm almost home. Uh, Washington and New York Islanders. This this is the greatest shock, and this is the series that has proved me the most wrong. Um, I said that the Capitals were going to sweep the Islanders, and the Islanders, I don't know if they listened to the Islanders. They probably did. Um, I know we're a big deal, but, uh, but they probably heard what I said and wanted to prove me wrong, and that's exactly what they did. They're up 3-0 in the series right now. Uh, against the team with, like, the greatest goal scorer of all time and one of the greatest playmakers of all time, like, one of the greatest playoff goalies of the decade. 
that team, the Washington Capitals, are down three zip in the series right now. So, uh, so um, you can say what you will about about the Capitals, how they won the Stanley Cup two years ago, and how they're the, one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference, and how they're going to make a comeback and they're going to beat this Islanders team. But in reality, that's not going to happen. They need to win four straight, and I don't think they're going to. I think that they can they can make it interesting, but I've got Islanders in six at this point. Um, I know I'm changing my prediction, but I'm changing it because of what happened. Uh, I can't sit here with a straight face and try and be stubborn and say to all of you, like, no, my prediction's going to stick. The Capitals are going to win. Uh, it's just not realistic. And, uh, you know, I've learned from... I've learned from sports history that down 3-0 means nothing to some teams. Uh, the 2004 Red Sox, take for an example. Uh, they were down 3-0, didn't mean anything to them. Uh, reversed the curse and they went on to win the World Series. Uh, the same thing could easily happen for these Capitals. They could just turn it around and and just decide to wake up in Game 4 and never go back to bed and win the series. That could happen. I'm not saying it won't, but... You know, I, I like to come on this podcast and be realistic. And realistically, I think that the Islanders are going to win in six games. That's my uh, that's my updated prediction at this point. Um, the Islanders look really good. I wasn't expecting them to look this good this early. Uh, like I said, talked about how, you know, you kind of need to go through the ranks before you can be considered a serious cup contender. And I talked about how the Hurricanes kind of need to do the same thing. They kind of have done the same thing. But, they, you know, you need, to, you need to take a few playoff losses before you can take some big playoff wins. Uh, if that makes any sense at all. Um, you need to lose in those big games. You need to experience heartbreak in the Stanley Cup playoffs before you can you know, experience that, that feeling of celebration and, and you know, jubilation after winning. So that's what I think the Islanders are right now. Even if they do get through this series, um, they're probably going to be one of the lower seeds uh, after reseeding in the second round. So, uh, I still think they need to go through that, um, that kind of bit of adversity before, um, I can qualify them as a cup contending team. Uh, and if they make a good run this year, much like the Hurricanes did last year, then good on them. They're playing great hockey right now and they hundred percent deserve it. I'm just saying that as a, as a young playoff team, a young team and a team that hasn't had much experience in the playoffs. So young in both ways. A team like that in the New York Islanders, I'm not gonna gonna say like, oh, they're they're a heavy Stanley Cup contender. You know, I mean, yeah, they can make a good run at it. If you knock off the Capitals, then you know why not? You know, you, you if you can beat the Capitals, you can beat any team in the Eastern Conference. Um, I just think that to be able to have the the stature as a as a hockey team in the playoffs, much like the um, Bruins do, like the Lightning do, like the Penguins do, like the Capitals do. First, you need to win a Stanley Cup, uh, but also you need to face that playoff adversity. And a team like the Bruins have faced that playoff adversity, you know, losing to the Capitals in 2012, losing in the Stanley Cup Finals in 2013 to the Blackhawks, losing to the Canadians in the second round in 2014, missing out on the next two playoffs, and then coming back, losing in the first round, uh, losing in the... uh, losing in the second round the next year, and then losing in the Stanley Cup final again the next year. It's a lot of heartbreak around here in Boston, all right? But we we are dealing with that playoff adversity, and that's why this Boston Bruins team, a team full of veterans and a team full of young guns, 
Uh, that's why they're considered a serious cup contender because they've gone through that playoff adversity. If you look at the Islanders, one of the biggest critiques of the team is going to be that they don't have that much playoff experience. And the Washington Capitals do. They're a team that won the Stanley Cup two years ago. They're a team that have always been pretty competitive in the playoffs ever since Holtby showed up on the scene uh, in 2012 and just started you know, shutting the door on the top scorers in the NHL. That team has a lot of experience. Um, but any given Sunday, the Lightning got knocked out in the first round last year. The Capitals did too. It looks like they're going to again um, at the hands of a... Uh, at the hands of a exciting yet unexperienced um, New York Islanders team. I almost said Rangers. Uh, New York Islanders team. So, I don't know. It's crazy. That's all I'll say. Is that seeing this happen again for the second year in a row is crazy. Um, and, I, and I'm rooting for the Islanders. I really am. Because that's a great story. Um, just not to win the Stanley Cup. Unless the Bruins are out, but uh, but they aren't. So, yeah, that's pretty much the end of, of what I had for you guys today. Just another quick episode from my car talking about where we're at in the Stanley Cup playoffs right now. Um, so that was episode 40. I don't know how long it was. I don't know how long I've been driving around. Probably like a half hour. I have no idea. Could have been shorter than that. I talk pretty fast and I talk a lot. Um... But I appreciate all of you listening again. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, I appreciate every single one of you for sticking with us since January 2019. And it feels crazy to say that, but it feels crazy to say that we've been around for that long. But yeah, episode 40, we'll check back with you guys uh, after tonight's games and after tomorrow's games and have hopefully have an episode out for you soon. I know Farul and I were talking about doing an episode tonight, so that might get done. But uh, yeah, we'll see you on the, uh, on the next review. Thank you so much for listening. Boys and free my soul I wanna get lost in your rock and roll And drift away